0: Alright, so Matt, have you heard the joke about silence? No. Yeah, me either. <laughs> How apropos <laughs> right? Okay. Okay, it's good. and welcome to the Graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody. Here we are again. Um, Real quick, wanted to tell everybody, like we always do, go check out podbelly.com, the Podbelly Network. You can find a lot of shows that you might not have found otherwise, and you can find a lot of information about starting your own podcast if you would like to do that. It's a very helpful site. Go check them out, podbelly.com. Now, we have another See Alive show coming up Saturday, March 7th. It's 8pm to 9.30pm. So we're hoping by a change in what day of the week and the time a little bit that more of y'all will be able to join. Yeah. So Saturday, March seventh, eight PM to nine thirty PM and that's Central Standard Time. And we're going to go over all the shows that we've talked about since the last live show up until that point. So yeah.
1: you ask, we deliver. You right. Wanted on a different day, we did it. Wanted at a later day at a later time, we did it. So right. Yeah, you, you have no excuse <laughs> to not join right.
0: us. Don't ask crazy things because we might not be able to deliver on those. But yeah, uh, it's, we're sat- to it's get
1: Saturday it- night, I'm, and 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 we're talking about stuff we've already talked about. So I'm, I may I may have an adult beverage. Y'all,
0: yeah, you, know,
1: you so might y'all as tune well tune
0: in. It may get a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we've only got an hour and a half, man, so it can't get too crazy. <laughs> Um, so another live show that we've got coming up. This one will be in person live show is going to be July 18th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, you can get tickets on our website. We're going to be doing it with Hillbilly Horror Stories. It's their show, and they invited us along. So we we said, "Heck yeah, we're going to be there."
1: Yeah, and we can uh, when we're done, we can all go play the uh, haunted mini golf.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> And I don't know if it'll be open, but I know in uh, Gatlinburg, they're opening a new ride or something um, that should be open by then. Just a ride? Yeah, one of the rides that that they do in uh, downtown Gatlinburg. So after after you uh, listen to us, you can go over there and check that out and make a weekend of it. Is it haunted? Is it a haunted ride? And give it a few years and it might be. (laughs) It
1: ain't no count. (laughs) I ain't getting on it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right, Matt. So we'll get out of this uh, housekeeping business here. And uh, why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight, brother?
1: OK, so tonight we're talking about. Yeah, you guessed it. The zone <laughs> of silence, <laughs> the zone of silence in Mexico. And uh, I'm, I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Adam say it in Spanish because I
0: will destroy it. The zona de Salencia.
1: Hey, there you go. See, he's he's only been in Texas for about eight months, and he's <laughs> he's already can speaking Spanish like a native.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was born here. I should be able to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you come to Tennessee, and you lose all that.
0: That's know? a valid point. I did lose a lot of it moving up there.
1: But, yeah, we're talking about this area that's right on the edge of uh, the state of Chihuahua. Um, well done. It, it is a, it is, I mean, essentially it, it looks like a desert. I mean, and, and it, it's just this rough terrain. It's really not inhabitable other than, you know, some ranchers and things like that. Um, but it, it has some really strange anomalies that occur there um, with, you know, magnetic interference with, radios and cell phones and it's got usb weird people weird people i mean it it's just a, a lot of weird stuff and nobody's really taking a look at it and we're going to talk about it tonight and let you decide if anybody should be um, there's a lot of folks that believe this is just a bunch of baloney there's a lot of people that think this is a uh, you know a a geological anomaly that needs to be studied so you can tell us what you think so right so adam tell us a little bit about uh the zone of silence
0: all right so like matt said we talk about a lot of weird anomalies around the world and if everything that has been said about the zona de silencia is true then this is probably one of the stranger ones that we've talked about. And it, it, it's not far from Bolson de Mapimi in Mexico. Um, there's about a 50 kilometer area of desert that has been given this name, the Zone of Silence. Now, it lies in the Trino Vertex, and this is where the Chihuahua-Durango-Cohia states meet, roughly 400 miles south of El Paso, Texas. Um, It's there's a big prominent mountain range that runs on the east side of this zone. So it kind of blocks it in a little bit. And on an interesting note, the zone of silence is near longitudinally parallel with the Egyptian pyramids on the Giza Plateau, the Bermuda Triangle and sacred cities in Tibet. And it's located just north of the Tropic of Cancer between 25 degrees and 29 degrees north. So what does that sound like? That sounds like our last see show. That's
1: right. Yeah, all these places are lined up. Now, it doesn't fall along that line that we discussed. Right. But that, that area between the 26th and 28th parallel is... It, it, it's loaded with oddities, you know, ancient ruins, anomalies like the Zone of Silence and the Bermuda Triangle. So it, when anything falls in that area, all the way around the globe, people kind of take notice of anything peculiar that happens there.
0: Right. It's a lot like you know, the thirty seventh parallel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean. But when you when you look at those kind of connections, like we did uh, on our see you live show, y- you begin to wonder wh- why. You know, wh- are are we making something out of nothing, or or is, is there a reason that these places would line up so well? I mean, right. you know, we're not going to dig into that. Um, we've already done that,
0: <laughs> right? Um,
1: but this is just another one of those places that's just, it's out of sorts. Again, if if all the stories are true.
0: Right. And why would a region of Mexican wasteland that is this remote fall along that thing and have such weird activity? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, what, what, it, we'll, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but I had to throw this in. If we were to do full-on excavation of this. Would we find another buried ruin of a city or inhabitation of that area that we don't know about yet, but it could be an ancient civilization that was taking advantage of whatever oddities are happening in this zone? Yeah. Well, it like I said, it's very remote and the closest urban settlement Caballos is about 25 miles away. Now, residents of the surrounding towns have been aware of these strange legends that go around in the zone for quite a while. Um, but some of the first rumors that purportedly began in the 1930s were after the pilot Francisco Sarabia once had to make an emergency landing due to, quote, radio anomalies. And we'll have a picture of Francisco at the next Sea live show if you want to see what he looks like. Now, Sarabia was airborne over the region when he began to notice that his instruments were acting oddly. Um, this wasn't the only problem, though, that he was facing because his radio equipment also started to fail and then just completely stopped working altogether. And he said it was something that was interfering with the normal operations of his aircraft. So that sounds a lot like what you hear with the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. And this has been called uh, uh, the Bermuda Triangle of Mexico before. Yeah. So it, it's pretty odd. And Matt, he's not the only pilot that had issues, was he?
1: No. Um, there was a, an organic chemist named Harry de la Pena and he was, he documented the zones characteristics of creating this dark zone, as he called it with radio communications back in 1966. Now he was on a photographic survey and while he was out exploring, he noticed that the walkie talkies quit working in, in that area. And, he said the portable radios that they had would only work with a very diminished volume. You know, even when they turned it all the way up, they could barely hear it. Right. And they later found out that television signals wouldn't go through the zone of silence. And even now people will say that television doesn't work in the, in the zone of silence. Of course, if you, if you look at pictures of this place, you're like, man cable hadn't gotten there yet so. yeah right
0: <laughs> right i was gonna say which is you know not really odd when when just, you <laughs> think about how we get our tv now <laughs> even with an antenna you got to be close
1: enough to a tower right who's gonna put a tv tower out
0: there you know right <laughs> out in this wasteland desert you know
1: yeah fox news is gonna go out there and plant a tower in the middle of this place. <laughs> yeah so right like, hey okay
0: <laughs> right. Well, the first people that do will make a killing. Wait, no, they won't. There's nobody out there. <laughs> there's nobody there. Yeah. Um, so there's been a, a lot of weird things that have hit out of the sky in the zone of silence. And one of those was during the Cold War, the White Sands Missile Base in New Mexico Um, had been conducting a series of tests using an Athena RTV, a re-entry test vehicle rocket. Um, Now, the missions were a joint task between the USAF and the U.S. Army, and they're designed to investigate the impacts of missiles as a result of re-entry into the atmosphere. So it was important work if we were going to go to space and come back, and Mm -hmm. we needed to figure out how things were going to land. Yeah. Well, July 11th, 1970, the Athena RTV V-123D rocket launched from Green River Complex in Utah. Now, the last stage of this rocket was carrying a capsule of radioactive cobalt 57, which not a good plan anyway to be shooting off a rocket with radioactive cobalt.
1: But they had a reason for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to drop in the deserts of white sands New Mexico
1: well the reason that they had the cobalt 57 on there is they wanted to see how much of the sample degraded upon reentry you know sure. so <laughs> my my thought is they're 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 not necessarily testing about coming back from space they're testing about how much dig de- degrading a a nuclear warhead would undergo while
0: it's coming down (laughs) exactly so how much extra would we have to put in there for it to make it to its destination
1: exactly that to me that's what they were looking for but that's why it was on there 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 are some stories that say that it was a dirty bomb and it wasn't a dirty bomb i mean it was a sample if it was a dirty bomb why the hell would they shoot it out in the middle of White Sands, New Mexico?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's people out there.
1: Right. You know, on their <laughs> own people. Hey, we're going right. to test this dirty bomb. You know, then I guess there's people going, oh, well, they weren't. That was a lie. And they were shooting it to Mexico to begin with. Again, why?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, if, um, if it was a successful test and they shot a dirty bomb in the middle of a desert with no people, what are they going to learn? So I don't, I don't believe any of that. But I I do believe that it was, you know, let's see how much of this is going to you know, how much do we have to load you know yep. to to wipe out you know a city, you know. So, right. And, you know, how much are we going to lose in the travel
2: mm-hmm. uh, of
1: this of this rocket when it re-enters the atmosphere. But what was right. what was really funny to me is that this is not uncommon. They had been doing this for a while. Launching you know out of utah into mexico it was like they were you know it was like target practice i'm like
0: Mm -hmm. pretty
1: much how how many people were these missiles flying over
0: yeah that that, if it had failed
1: yeah if something went wrong they'd have been like oops yeah
0: yeah we don't know what happened yeah well well, speaking (laughs) of failing this one this rocket did develop a fault But luckily for everybody that was under it, like Matt was saying, that it could have landed on, it actually overshot the destination by 500 miles. Yeah. So it ended up crashing into the zone of silence, um, which is about 500 miles south of the border. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it it did develop a fault. There was a problem, but, you know, it was drawn to uh, what some theorists say. It was drawn to the yeah, zone of silence. so something pulled it there. Right.
1: Which brings up another question. If a missile crashes in the desert and no one's around to hear it, does it really make a sound?
0: I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I've interviewed a few coyotes that I haven't told you about. <laughs> and uh, they say, yes, it does. <laughs> and thanks yeah. to the radioactive Cobalt 50, their kids now have six legs. <laughs>
1: Six legged coyotes, a yep. mystery of the zone of silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet they're I bet they're fast. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, Th- those there are no road runners in that part of the Mexican <laughs> desert. So,
1: <laughs> you know, on a tangent, I read a thing earlier this week that said uh, the actual land speed of like the road runner and the coyote, like the coyote would be eating these things left and right there's no
0: yeah. way
2: this
1: roadrunner was able to outrun this coyote
0: <laughs> right like,
1: that's, well they, that's they just funny. looked
0: faster they oh, looked yeah. faster well, so when
1: you're you know big blue and purple bird that can spin his legs around like racing yeah. wheels. <laughs> right why not meet me <laughs> all right all right all right tangent over right.
0: back to it so when the US government actually requested permission to enter this area and retrieve the debris, the Mexican government actually said, Yes, please get your crap out of our land.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, that's not our exactly ball, what they said, but our ball you know,
2: went
1: over
0: the fence. Yeah, exactly. Can we come in your yard and get it? <laughs> exactly. So the the US government quote worked quickly and covertly to secure uh, the area sure and begin all right, begin a search for their radioactive capsule. Now, when the retrieval team entered the site, they supposedly real quickly realized that something was affecting all of their communications. And, you know, without these communications, they couldn't coordinate between the teams very well. So they were kind of getting lost in the Mexican desert there. Um, But they realized... Here, again, like Matt was saying, that television and satellite signals were experiencing Mm -hmm. disruptions in that area. So, again, I mean, you're out in the middle of the desert with, you know, the closest city being like 25 miles away. So the television and satellite signals probably aren't going to be the best. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, Well, it took quite a few weeks, but the U.S. government... Found the capsule so quickly. Quickly was a few yeah, weeks. Quickly, yeah. um, nineteen seventy. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, they they were taking it as a vacation. Didn't have know.
1: a GPS tracker, but uh, yeah,
0: right. While we're down here, we're gonna poke around, see what mm-hmm. else we find. <laughs> right. Um, they supposedly conducted a thorough "quote unquote" radioactive cleanup of the entire area. Um, which ended up being about 20 tons of radioactive soil, including plants that were removed and deposited in White Sands Desert. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just dump radioactive stuff in White Sands of Mexico. Yeah,
1: I ain't going there.
0: Yeah, I've been there as a kid. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> you have a glow about you, Adam. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a green glow like Mr. Burns. <laughs> so while... While they were down there, you know, they they noticed all these weird things and they kind of alerted the Mexican government of it. So research since that point has been done in the zone of silence and the Mexican government has actually constructed a research complex that they say is studying unusual local habitat and wildlife. And after I read this quote, Matt and I are going to talk about this for a second. Now, quote, the environment of the area is unique and has its own species. Thirty-one species of endemic plants, such as certain species of cactus, and 75 species of protected animals. Given the paleontological and pre-Hispanic past of the region, in 1979 the area was declared part of the Mapimi Bolsón Biosphere Reserve, and a laboratory had been built next to Cerro San Ignacio um, the previous year. Said Dr. Samuel. Banda. Now, here's the problem with that, that you can't find what those actual species are, the endemic species. So I, I don't know how you can say you have endemic species there that you can't find anywhere else and not be able right. to prove it by right. showing pictures or even a description of the thing in some science magazine or journal.
1: Right. right. you and I was able to find pictures of the the purple pear cactus mm-hmm. that that grows there. Um the reason I could find pictures of the purple pear cactus is because you can buy them uh, you know everywhere
0: on Amazon.
1: On Amazon. You can get them on eBay. Yeah, I mean I I I could have ordered and I thought they were cool. We have we have cacti at the house. I thought they were cool. I was telling Amanda, "Hey, we need to order one of these. I can get I can get this one for 12 bucks." Yeah, right. You know, here it is, this bright purple cactus. Well, it's cool, but I don't I don't really see where it's somehow magically purple because it's in the zone of silence.
0: You know how they're, they're everywhere? How Jeff, Jeff Bezos went down there and collected it personally <laughs> to put on Amazon. <laughs>
1: He's down there wearing one of them hats. Looks like the mural you find in Mexico Mexican restaurants where they're harvesting the agave. Mm-hmm. He's got that big old spade shovel that he's digging. Yep.
0: Harvesting <laughs> purple pear cactuses. Got a little kerchief around his neck. He's like, This'll go great on Amazon.
1: <laughs> but Adam's right. The the animals, like you know, the the foot long centipedes with a purple head and a purple stinger. Uh there's you don't really find any pictures of that. We I don't have any pictures of six legged coyotes, um, you know the that Ma, the Mapimi uh, tortoise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it, you know it's there. I mean you can find a picture of it. it there's really nothing that says it's indigenous to that area. It doesn't necessarily. It, it's not odd in any way. Um, it's just a particular species of tortoise.
0: There's a lot of tortoises that are indigenous to different areas of the world. Right. It's not special.
1: I I don't, I don't see, and you know, we, we hunted. In fact, I I spent, you know, probably the, the entire last part of, of my research looking for some evidence of this. And it's just not out there. I mean, it, you know, you, you, you know, if you go hunting real deep, You you might be able to find some picture, but if you're only finding one, there's a really good chance that it's not authentic.
0: Right, right. It it needs to be backed up with verification and stuff like that for you to say, yeah, this is truly an endemic species of this area. And, you know, I can't find this in the rest of Mexico.
1: But you hear that stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, oh, there's so many weird creatures there. Okay.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah prove it show show me one
1: right you know you've obviously seen something
0: yeah yeah exactly you know
1: i i you know what are the unicorns down there you know stuff like that i that's I, what i want to know um but it doesn't it doesn't seem like that that's all that factual
0: you know now yeah. it it it's probably a urban legend that has been blown out of proportion yeah and yeah. now it just gets repeated in you know, online discussions about the zone of silence. Mm -hmm. Well, theorists also, along with these weird endemic species that don't exist, um, theorists also speculate that the government is studying more than it's actually admitting um, because there's plenty of anomalies to research in the zone, quote unquote. One of the many unusual observable properties in this area is its high levels of magnetite and uranium deposits that scientists attribute electromagnetic pulses that are said to be the source of the disrupted signals. Now, I'll give you that um, because one of the theories about the Bermuda Triangle is that several of the islands around there have high magnetite deposits in the soil. So it will throw off compasses Mm -hmm. because if you get enough in an area, it can emit an electromagnetic field far enough to disrupt electronic equipment and whatnot. But unless we're talking about high, like really high quantities of magnetite and uranium, then I don't think it's going to be that big of a, a thing because one of the things they're talking about that Matt's going to tell you about is stuff coming from a higher than a airplane being pulled to that area.
1: Right. Right. So that would have
0: to be a lot of magnetite.
1: And one of the strangest things about the zone of silence is and this, this magnetic field that they keep talking about is that it moves around according yeah. to the, the, the believers and, And its exact location keeps shifting, and there's no real way to predict it. Now, the believers will say, this is why you you can get a cell phone signal down there. This is why your radio may work and why your compass may seem unaffected is because it's moving. It's constantly moving. It's also why they can't plot it on a vector map of the magnetic fields, which... You can go, you can look, mm-hmm. you can download a map of, of, of a vector map of the magnetic fields of the earth and it will show you, it uses little arrows to kind of show you the direction.
0: I've actually done that for several of our episodes <laughs> and look, believe it or not, that's one of the things I look at, see if there's high, weird magnetic things there.
1: But, you know, skeptics really say that this, this is a convenient way for, people to purport this urban legend Mm -hmm. you know by saying oh well it's moving it's you know it's it's not stationary right well okay you know well when's it coming back yeah you know
0: but how long till do i have to sit here till it comes back to me
1: yeah and adam made a really good point you know if we're talking about things like uranium and magnetite iron all of these things that would would affect the magnetic field that that has to be huge sure i mean it's got to be powerful and which you know would it would be measurable for it to affect you know not not only you know you know a compass or something on the ground but radio equipment and and navigational equipment in the air i mean
0: 500 miles away for that one rocket the athena it would have to reach at least five hundred miles
1: and, and as you as we get into this you're going to hear some people even speculate that it's it's so powerful that it's like adam said it's sucking stuff from space mm mm-hmm. you know it's attracting stuff from space you know to to come you know and we're going to talk more about it, but there's when you when you talk to the people that buy into this, they have this idea that there is an unusual amount of meteorites that hit in this area because of this, you know, magnetic presence, and it's just it's just pulling them there, just like it did with the Athena rocket, right? You know, it which, just pulled it there. I'm like, in well, turn,
0: then adds more iron to your area. If that's right, if that's right. a theory you're going, then it's pulling meteors, which would have to be, you know miles and miles up into space to be able to direct it to that one spot it would have to go ahead and grab a hold of it and be strong enough to pull it down and even matt even a rare earth magnet can't do that and rare earth magnets can do everything
1: okay adam let's take a minute and talk about hello fresh now hello fresh is a meal delivery service where you can get mouthwatering seasonal recipes with pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. It's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes cooking at home fun, easy, and affordable. And HelloFresh's recipes are so delicious. So break out of your dinner rut with HelloFresh's 22-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week and hello fresh helps you save time hello fresh cuts out stressful meal planning and prep so that you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe
0: option that's right and that's one of the coolest things for me about doing it is you know it, we're able to get dinner on the table really quick and Michael is actually able to help out because it's easy recipe. So he's able to get in there and, and help us mix stuff and, and prep some of the things. And so that makes it a little more fun for him. And I hate going to the store. Like, I legitimately, I did that today. I hate going grocery shopping. And you don't have yeah, to with this because, like Matt said, it's delivered right to your door. And the cool thing is it HelloFresh is flexible, and it actually fits your lifestyle. You can add extra meals or lunches to your weekly order, or you can throw in sides and desserts like garlic bread or cookie dough if you feel like it. You know, there's there's many ways that you can easily change your delivery days and food preferences too. You can skip a week whenever you need to if you're going out of town and you're like, hey, I can't get a meal delivery this week, so I'm going to. And apparently the puppy really likes HelloFresh too because he's chiming in. So while he's chiming in about it, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you if you go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard 10 and you use our code Graveyard10, you can get 10 free meals, including free shipping.
1: That's right. So Graveyard Tells listeners can go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard 10 and use the promo code Graveyard10 to get 10 free meals. Including free shipping. These, uh, this, this concentration of these meteor strikes. It, it they say that there's almost a, a, a small meteor hitting that area daily, daily. Okay, but the fact is debated because a lot of researchers will say that there's no more meteors here than anywhere else in the world. Now, in truth, one of the largest known meteors to ever hit the earth crashed into the ground here at a a place called uh, Pueblito de Allende. See, I told you my Spanish sucks. (laughs) I I learned Spanish from watching uh, Sesame Street. Um, But it hit in February of 1969, and it's now called the Allende Meteorite. It came down at an estimated speed of ten miles per second, and created a shock wave, and, and a and a boom that was heard over a huge distance, and it's one of the loudest sounds ever recorded. How did they know to hit record? Right. I can't. I can't get. I couldn't get the DJ when I was a kid to to shut up and and I could hit record to get that song that I wanted.
2: Mm-hmm. But these
1: guys actually managed to record a meteor traveling at. 10 miles per second hitting the earth um but the the witnesses of that meteor strike said that the flash produced it was like staring directly into a flash bulb, jeez you know? but there was a meteorite that crashed into in in chihuahua in the late 1950s and it contained crystalline structures that researchers said Outdate the solar system itself. How in the world can you that calculate is wild. that? But researcher Luis Medea Villalobos concluded that this meteorite contained material he quoted as old as the universe. Now, our solar system is estimated to be about six billion years old. Mm-hmm. The meteorite's age was estimated to be. 13 billion years old
0: wow now they been are, traveling a long time
1: yeah there are constant falls of small metallic orbs in this area and the locals call these things guiholas so you know there there are there are meteor showers that happen a lot mm-hmm. but i mean we're talking about almost a a, a daily shower Of space material, right? Hitting hitting this area, um, and this is where some people theorize that aliens did something in this area. You know, with um, you know the the UFO sightings. There, there's this idea that aliens visited this area years ago, like centuries ago. Um, and there's something there that they left behind that. Causes this, and some people even have speculated that it's some type of alien portal, and that's mm-hmm. why it gets all this uh, meteor activity. But magnetic anomalies, like you find in the Zone of Silence, have long been associated with UFO activity, and this whole idea of ancient astronauts—you um, know—did you know? Did alien beings? You know, build the pyramids, or at, at minimum, teach ancient Egyptians how to do it. Right. You know, um, you know, was uh, you know, Machu Picchu, you know, built with the assistance of aliens. You know that there's there's theories there, and Adam have talked about Adam and I have talked about that before, but those those that say this is what's going on, or they have this idea that aliens, you know, did something that caused this um they point out that because it's near the tropic of cancer and it lies in between the 26 and 28 parallel and it lies in connection to the bermuda triangle and the pyramids in egypt that all of these things are connected and that common denominator is alien intervention sure so okay now th- there is one thing odd that's in the zone of silence, and and I looked for pictures of this Adam, and I couldn't find them. These there's ancient ruins that are there, and uh, some people call it the Mexican Stonehenge.
0: And, yeah, and I they couldn't have, find them either. They I, have
1: no idea what it is. Um, they can't determine how old they are. But they seem to believe that it was some type of astronomical observatory, you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah. Again, when it comes to talking about the zone of silence, you you see a lot of reaching. I oh, mean, yeah. They, they, they really take what they believe to understand about so many other places around the globe and just kind of infer it upon the The zone of silence w- without near as much evidence as they have with other places I mean you know it, it might be a good thing for you you know you'd have seen the See a live show to catch what we're <laughs> talking about but but in a nutshell, you know this idea that Stonehenge was connected to the stars and the pyramids at Giza were connected to the stars um they're they're taking what they understand about those places or at least what they think they understand. And they're just applying it here, and, right? You know, it, it's funny. I had a conversation earlier this week with um with a lady that actually works with a paleontologist, and we were discussing the Sia show, and she knew everything before I said it, and was just rattling them off. Oh, did you talk about this? Did you talk about uh, uh, you know, the ancient Mayans, and did you talk about uh? Uh, chichen Itza and all this stuff and i'm like yeah 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 and then i said we're about to do a show about the zone of silence and she goes i've not heard of that yeah and, you, and this this lady just got back from mexico
0: right so and, you have to so, take something like that and go if someone that knows all this doesn't know about that is there really really something going on here yeah that we can yeah. pinpoint
1: so you know adam's right it does it really exist at all Um, but scientists will dispute that there's any, any magnetic anomaly here at all. Um, and and they kind of indicate that if there was a significant magnetic field, it wouldn't necessarily cause a compass to spin. It would not move. You know, it, it, compasses don't just spin unless you've got like a, a magnet, like in your hand sitting underneath it. Um, mm-hmm. or, if, or if you've got a magnetized object like like you know something around your wrist or a ring or something like that will cause it to do that but like a magnetic field anomaly on the earth isn't going to make your compass spin it's going to make it not
0: work point you know? to that object rather than Correct. magnetic north
1: exactly so Scientists will say, if you see somebody show you a spinning compass, they're showing you a magic trick, okay? You know, it, it, it's just, it's a gimmick, you know, just to kind of do the, ooh, mm-hmm. ah, you know. But they also claim that iron meteors, the, the idea that iron meteors cause the magnetic anomaly isn't true either. And the Allende meteorite, which I mentioned earlier, It's composed of CV3 carbonaceous chondrite, and it's the largest one ever discovered, but it's not magnetic. And the Chupaderos meteorite, it weighs in at just over 24 tons, and it's made of solid iron. But it's also 80 miles away from Mapimi. Right. So it's doubtful that that meteorite would cause such an anomaly and you know that's kind of how scientists begin to dismiss this idea that all these meteorites are attracted to this area and mm-hmm. you know we're going to we're going to talk more about this in a minute but this is not the only strange stuff i mean this is just a lot of the stuff that like adam and i said there's not a lot of evidence to support it but people really buy into it and this is the easy stuff for the scientists to go, aha, look, it doesn't work. You know, look at that guy over there. He's talking on his cell phone. Yeah. Um. There have been weird encounters within this zone of silence and people have reported seeing these people that are out of place for a number of reasons. And, The most common story is that people will encounter these three blonde-haired strangers that are seen just wandering the landscape for no good reason. But allegedly, they say that this trio is made up of two males, one female. They're dressed in clothes that are inappropriate for the desert environment, and the people—so bikinis, yeah—are they wearing bikinis? (laughs) that would be more appropriate. Oh. I think they're so probably wearing like, you know. <laughs> suits and ties? Suits and ties or slacks, or, you know, a golf shirt. What are you doing out here? Right. I lost my ball. Patent leather saying?
0: shoes. and
1: <laughs> Yeah. They just don't fit. And the people that have actually met and conversed with them say that they're, they're physically attractive, they're very polite, and they speak spurtly. And they speak perfect Spanish. Say that. Say that. Well three put.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you use they, your words good, Matt. They,
1: <laughs> how many times am I going to do that on this show? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's going to be like we're going to have we're going to have like a running list one day of all all the things that I've said backwards. Yeah, but they, it'll be fun. They speak perfect Spanish. And sometimes they say these strangers will ask ranchers for water, but they never ask for food or anything else. I don't want food when I'm hot and right when uh, when people ask them where they're from, they the answer they give is from above. All right. yeah <laughs> can't get any, any more vague than that.
0: yeah you? do you fall out of an airplane or yeah.
1: But whoever these people are, whatever they are. They're said to be non-threatening, and in fact, they seem to be pretty benevolent. In fact, one scientist who worked at the Biosphere Research Station in Mapimi said he went out exploring, and he got lost. It's, it's desert, folks. You, you can get lost in the desert.
2: You
0: and if get, your compass you, doesn't work... That's right. If your compass is spinning in circles, then...
1: <laughs> then you're, you're stuck. So. Right. He, he said he was approached by three tall, blonde humanoids. Who says that? They were humanoids. Uh, he thought they were just weird people out in the desert, I guarantee it, um, who guided him back to the research station before they just vanished. Now, interestingly enough, the biosphere itself has a reputation, as Adam mentioned, for maybe not always opening up about what they're really doing in there. Yeah. And that they may be researching something a lot stranger than what they own up to. But that's um, not
0: that's not unique to this area either. That's most right. government True. run facilities. True. <laughs> True, but
1: a lot of people believe that they're doing secret experiments on animals, researching UFOs and conducting psychic research. Okay. Maybe they are. But I don't know. There there's no evidence of that either. But this particular scientist Claims that he met these three people out in the desert and they guided him back to the biosphere.
0: Okay. So they have a good knowledge of that area then yeah. if they're going to guide him back.
1: Well, all they do is walk around in it, apparently. Yeah. So they should know where everything is.
0: That reminds me of the movie Biodome. You remember the movie Biodome? I,
1: I've thought about Polly Shore every time I see the word <laughs> biosphere when I've been doing this.
0: <laughs> yeah and when i saw biosphere that was the first thing i thought of was uh polyshore and uh uh and then like bungee jumping in the biodome and all that who was the other guy in that was it owen wilson no it was other guy number one other guy number one I, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't important enough for me to remember <laughs> You know we're uh, gonna get we're gonna get hate mail because I just said that somebody's gonna love him and love somebody, that movie.
1: He's somebody's cousin. Yeah, right. He should have gotten nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> the greatest performance ever. Right. <laughs> if you're in a movie with Pauly Shore, you're not getting nominated for an Oscar. Period.
0: No. No. People won't even remember your name because you yeah. were in a movie with Pauly Shore.
1: If you're doing Shakespeare in the park and Polly Shore is, you know, Lady Macbeth, you're sunk.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right Now, there was a report made in October of 1975 that kind of helped, I guess, further the, the weirdness in the zone. Uh, there was fossil hunters Ernesto and Josefina Diaz that were in the zone to collect samples and unusual rocks and whatever else that they could find. And while they were working, they saw a a rainstorm blowing up and heading toward them. And if you've ever been, you know, out in the desert and see a storm, you know, they can get pretty violent. Mm -hmm. Um, So fortunately for the couple, though, they noticed it in time and were able to take action to avoid being caught in a flash flood, but they were a little bit too late uh, to completely avoid any problems with it? So they they didn't die, but um, they jumped in their truck and they were trying to outrun the storm, but they couldn't. So the ground around their pickup started to you know turn into just a swamp area from all this dumping rain and in the sand and all that. So their truck actually got stranded and they were stuck inside there. And while they were stuck inside, they're trying to figure their way out. Two men that had, quote, above average height approached the vehicle and its occupants. Now, they offered uh, the, the trapped couple, they offered to free them, and both rescuers apparently wore identical clothing, which was a yellow raincoat and a cap, and as quickly as the pair showed up, the Diaz truck somehow made its way onto firm ground and out of danger. So All right. don't know how they did it. They pushed it or some some way they got the Diaz's truck up onto solid ground. Now, Ernesto ignored the instructions to remain inside the truck and wanted to personally thank them for their efforts. But whoever these men were vanished without leaving behind a single footprint in the mud. So they somehow got the truck out of the boggy, muddy, sandy ground up onto dry land without the Diaz's knowing how, and then they couldn't find any evidence of the yellow raincoat and capped people. Um, but they did apparently speak fluent Spanish like the natives. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like they were, you know, trying to translate or anything. They, they spoke fluent Spanish that Diaz and his wife could understand.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's if you believe or Nesto, you know, that's that's a really weird experience there. But it, it's not the only one. I mean, these things keep popping up. Right. Um, a journalist named Luis Ramirez Reyes, he visited the zone in November of 1978 as part of a news team that was covering the mysteries of the area, and he encountered the blonde strangers. Now, at the time, their destination was this mysterious biosphere they needed to get paulie shore's autograph <laughs> yeah. um but reyes and his photographer got lost in the desert on their way that i keep hearing this terrifies me these people yeah, that just they, they're going to the desert and they get lost i guarantee you if i know that i'm going to the desert i'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that i don't get no lost.
2: kidding
1: now they did not bring food or water again bad idea right And and so they were beginning to get a little bit worried. So as they drove along, Reyes saw a group of three figures walking up ahead, and he told his photographer, who was the driver, to stop and see if they could ask for directions. Okay. Probably
0: not a bad plan, really.
1: Not a a bad plan. But again, you got to think, why are these people out here? Yeah. But the photographer didn't see anyone, so he kept driving. They continued and had gotten a pretty good distance on down the road when the truck passed the same three people again. And so this time Reyes has insisted that they stop, but the driver still didn't see anybody. So Reyes claims that he asked the strangers if they had seen a truck like theirs pass earlier. But they said they hadn't. And it was at this point that Reyes noticed that the people weren't dressed or equipped at all the for all the harsh desert environment. Much like himself, right.
0: apparently. Right. That throwing stones in a glass house, mister.
1: Yeah. And and despite the fact that they were out there in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So he asked them where the biosphere was and, and these strange people were happy to help and they pointed the journalists in the right direction and when they got to the biosphere they told the staff member there hey we we met these people out here that told us how to get here and the biosphere people said listen man there ain't nobody around here for hundreds of miles but us we're the only people out here so we don't know who you ran into but they ain't from here." mirage people it could be, and and the fact that as the story goes, Reyes was the only one that could see. Mm-hmm. It. You know, may, maybe he was. You know, maybe he saw a lot of other stuff. Yeah, right. You know, may, maybe he was. You know, he didn't have any food or water. Maybe he was seeing like an oasis. Yeah. You know, with a with a camel. You know, and you could know, be starts hearing the song Midnight at the Oasis. I'd you run know, he's if like, I heard that. All right. I would
0: run.
2: Look,
1: Look at these three good-looking people. <laughs> you know, they're going to tell me how to get to this crazy Pauly Shore biosphere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But the photographer never saw him. Reyes did. And and they, they got him to the biosphere. But that's where he learned, hey, there ain't nobody else out here, brother. It's just, it's just us. Nobody else wants to be here. There was one other strange encounter I found. It was from a guy named Ruben Lopez who said he was on his way to visit a relative in Ceballos when his engine began to to sputter and stall. He noticed five small figures, about he says maybe several feet tall, uh, that he thought were children. And he looked at them a little bit closer, and he could see that they were wearing little silver outfits and helmets that opened in the front. But he says their faces were clearly adults, but not children like he thought. Mm-hmm. So they started coming towards his truck and he kind of freaked out as probably anybody would. Yeah. So he said he gunned the engine until the engine got up enough that he could speed his way out of there and just leave them in the dust. And he says as soon as the these little people were out of sight, the truck began to work normally again so these little it's, little little tiny aliens in
0: little tiny spacesuits it's <laughs> magnetic people throwing off the
1: electronics in the truck you can see why we're we're laughing at a lot of this it just seems so bizarre and lord knows adam and i have talked about some bizarre stuff but
0: some of this is hard to swallow yeah <laughs> this stuff doesn't have enough to back it up that Matt and I can go yeah it sounds wild and and it sounds crazy but it's it could be plausible yeah so, you know there these are just anecdotes and you know science has looked into some of it and debunked some of it so
1: these weird zones of silence are not exclusive to this region of mexico there are other places like this around the world um they're just not as well known um you know strange anomalies you know and i'm i'm not even i'm not even referring to the bermuda triangle but but strange anomalies that occur only in one particular area you know whether it's bizarre weather patterns or you know communication problems um and and some of them can can be explained because mm-hmm. of you know their position on the globe or solar solar flares.
0: The world you know, is weird, so there is going to be a lot is. of weird areas that like that. But you this can one prove just seems, things.
1: Yeah, this one just seems so out of place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that it would be, you know, right here in you know North America. Well, it, it just it just doesn't it doesn't. It, it it's not i mean the population around it just it doesn't make sense that it would be here and and it may very well um be this way it it may maybe it's faded over time maybe maybe today it's it's not what it was in the 50s and 60s um it's hard to really say because again it doesn't seem like anybody's really researching
0: it right and you know That Really, the last thing I have on it, my thoughts about it, is that this could very well be one of many, like we were just talking about, places in the world that does have a weird electromagnetic field around it or some weirdness in the Earth's magnetic field that causes some disruptions in... Cell signal. I had one in my old house. If you went to the back of the house, you couldn't get a cell signal. Yeah. So you know, um, there there are places like that. So this could be one of those places that has these weird anomalies like that. Mm-hmm. But it has been hyped up so much over the years, right? That now when people look into the zone of silence, it's this alien world in the middle of mexico that has weird animals and plants and and there's these three people that live there but they actually say they're from above and you know it's just i I think it's been blown out of proportion i think there is some weirdness some natural geographical weirdness that probably goes on there but it, it it's not as crazy as people make it out to be
1: and you know, in this area and the little the including the ranchers and the little townships that are around this area, there's about 76,000 people that live there. Guess what those 76,000 people are able to do? Talk on cell phones.
0: Watch their TV. Watch,
1: watch television. Yep. Um and in fact, uh, scientists will tell you that a magnetic anomaly like this would actually make your cell phones and radios work better because of of how you know radio transmissions use the earth's magnetic field to to be able to travel over over large distances. So the debunkers will say, "Look, this is not going to mess up your two way radio or your mm-hmm. cell phone, it's gonna enhance it and it's actually gonna work better. I can see both ways. I think if it's so if it was so strong, it it could begin to cause you some issues.
2: Yeah. I think if sure. it was
1: just a little bit stronger, then maybe you get a little bit you know, you get a little bit better reception. You don't drop a call. But again, mm-hmm. you're in the middle of the desert. I mean I, how many, how many cell phone towers are you going to you know, encounter if you get far enough away from the populated areas? Right. Despite all of this, because of, you know, whether you believe it's an urban legend or not, there are still people that travel down there to get their firsthand experience in the zone of silence. The locals call them Zaneros. You know, these, these people that just travel there strictly because that's what it is. Now, some people will say, "Oh, it was a, you know, it's a tourist thing." Listen. These ranchers, they they don't want these people down there. Sure. I mean, they're not making money off of them. You know, they're they're more problem. They they're more problematic than they are anything because they have, you know, it's private property. You know, they've got miles and miles of, of fence to keep in their cattle they've got um they've got a job to do Mm -hmm. and and here are these clowns coming around jumping fences or cutting them or opening gates not closing them leaving trash places you know they're you know it's annoying as hell i can imagine oh yeah um so you know people will point to all of that to go look you know the the locals they only buy into it because all these other clowns come down here and buy into it. Yeah. And they said, you know, a rancher may make a few bucks by letting somebody come across his property or maybe pointing out, you know, you give them a few dollars to say, you know, hey, where's the best place for us to go to, you know, get our compass to spin around? And they're going to be like, oh, well, you go right over there. And and here, buy this ring, you know, (laughs) that he Mm -hmm. has magnetized. So, you know, you you wear this ring and then your compass is spinning like a top. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really hard for me to, to buy into this. I, I agree with Adam wholeheartedly that there, there were a lot of weird events that occurred in this area, and they've, they've mushed all the stories together, and they have created one big, giant urban legend. Right. And wh- whether the locals want it or not, that's just kind of what it's become we're interested to know what do you guys think you know we've we've had a lot of fun with this tonight um and we haven't done one quite like this in a while where as we got into the research of it we kind of figured out yeah this may not be uh this may not be 100 <laughs> percent.
0: yeah we're we're not known as a debunking show right you know we're a we're a uh presentation show. We present to you what is out there, compile the the quote unquote evidence and the stories and show you and kind of allow you to make your decision, but every now and then Matt and I will run into a topic that we just can't keep our big mouths shut on and we have to say <laughs> what we actually yeah. feel.
1: Yeah, this is kind of like you know boom boom boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it but it's fun because it does have so many stories. You know, it, it, it does have some really strange events that have occurred down there. Um, you know, how much they've been blown out of proportion, I don't know. That they have fact checked the the whole missile thing. It's legit. Yeah. I mean, it, it really it really did happen. The US government really did go down there for several weeks to collect all this stuff. And, and did God knows what while they were there um all of that is a hundred percent true um you know that that did happen now how many of these encounters with uh weird beings um you know I don't even think did, I don't even think we mentioned the 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 giant UFO that was spotted down there um there was a you know the the the, the gigantic um
0: yeah it, in uh Did we talk about it? No, um, we didn't. The uh, 1976 Caballos um, City had a... It was a little before 9 p.m. They saw this giant 300-meter-long aircraft with different colored, alternating colored, pulsating lights around it. Yeah. Uh, And they apparently could hear this deep hum Coming from within that craft, yeah. Um, so I don't know.
1: Three hundred meters, y'all. Yeah, three hundred meters. That that is like three football fields,
0: right? So it's freaking huge.
1: Think about looking up in the sky and seeing something the size of three football fields.
0: It apparently they said affected the town's dogs because <laughs> yes. the dogs were howling and stuff. So
1: it's a. It's a three football field size UFO, and it just it it irritated the dogs.
0: Right, and we don't have any pictures of it from <laughs> None. from '76, where we had cameras.
1: The biggest UFO ever, and you know it's like, oh well, nobody's got a camera on them. Yep. Whoops. And, and there's weird lights. Um, you know, ranchers have reported strange lights all around there. Some of them coming up from the ground when they go out on night rides to check on their herds, you know they've got stories of seeing these weird, strange lights all around them. You know, like I said, the stories kind of go on and on and on.
0: And you it's know, like so, a, a mesh of so many other things.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean we're 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 almost wading into like uh, the
0: Stardust Ranch. Oh yeah. Yep, Stardust, Stardust Ranch and um, uh, Marfa Lights and all that yeah. other stuff.
1: Yeah. So it, it is. It's a huge conglomeration. But what do you guys think? You know, Tell us. Is this something that's just totally out there that's been blown out of proportion? Or are these just, are there some legitimate stories in there that have prompted some exaggeration over the years? Mm-hmm. Let us know.
0: And do that on our Facebook or. Come to the Sea Alive show, March 7th. Exactly,
1: exactly. So March 7th, that's Saturday at 8 p.m. Catch us for a little bit of uh, more discussion on this, and you can get in on the action too. Um, We're really looking forward to it. Um, In the meantime, go check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can just search Graveyard Tales. Uh, It's the easiest way to find us. Um, and you can check out our Facebook group where a lot of this kind of discussion goes on. Um, there's some really great people in there. Oh, and, yeah. And I mean, every day there's something new, unusual, strange, funny, whatever it is. And, and it's, a, it's a safe place for you to share your strange experiences and sometimes even get some help. Yeah. So, um, So yeah. So, jump in there. Please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It's the easiest way for us to get up the charts. And that just brings more people into the graveyard. So don't forget to check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. You can listen to the show. You can find links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise. And you can become a patron. And thank you to everyone who has donated to the show. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the
2: graveyard.
0: See you soon.